Many Angelinos I speak to blame homelessness on individual choices, drugs, crime, even laziness. We'll get to that later, but what about the 20,000 kids in the United States who age out of the foster care system every year, of whom somewhere between 30 and 50% will become homeless? What about them? Is it their fault too? The day she turned 18, Andy was put on a path to homelessness. She was sent literally on a flight to Los Angeles, a one-way ticket from Arizona. I think it was like a Saturday. I think it was a Saturday. They flew me out at five in the morning to California. And they gave me a plastic bag and said, like, a big garbage bag here, you know, there's your, there's your suitcase, so. This was December. It was the middle of the first semester of her senior year. And up until this point, Andy was doing well. I was working, I was going to school. I was doing everything I was supposed to. I was making curfew, like, you know. So there was not really a legitimate reason to, like, kick me out other than that I turned 18, so. What day did you turn 18? Um, December 13th. So this was Andy's choice. Fly to LA to meet a distant relative or move into a homeless shelter in Phoenix. And even though I was 18, I was not, I wasn't, like, financially, I wasn't emotionally or mentally prepared to be out in society. It's very dramatic that, you know, people of a young age have to go through that because like, it just was hard because I just was like, really like, you know, they don't, they're not obligated to take care of me anymore, so. And that relative in California, she'd actually never met before. Did you know your uncle? Um, I actually didn't. I like, I just got in contact with him like two months before my birthday. And even then it was kind of awkward because I've never met him before and I didn't know who this person was and it kind of felt like weird if I called him uncle and it just was a very awkward time, but... Um, and once Andy got there, things quickly went from awkward to bad. It just was a very toxic situation, which led, which led me to be homeless and all of that, so, but I am from Arizona. Andy was homeless for a year and she wasn't alone. Of all people experiencing homelessness in the United States, half have spent time in foster care. We'll get back to Andy later, but I wanted to touch on something first. I've heard anecdotes about out-of-staters showing up in LA, and I've met quite a few of them. But is this something bigger? Are agencies in other states, Arizona, Nevada, maybe Idaho, directing people here? Over the last couple years, the media has latched onto this narrative. Other states, particularly red states, are shipping people to California. After they found a Las Vegas psychiatric hospital had been discharging people to San Francisco, Mother Jones ran a story titled, Dear Nevada, Fuck You. Sincerely, San Francisco. It's easy to get indignant about this. Some days, after visiting overcrowded shelters, I want to get up on a soapbox. These money-grubbing red states are abandoning their own people, and California is picking up the tab. You should be ashamed of, wait, hold it. California moves people out too? It does. The Guardian's 2017 report, Bust Out, looked at San Francisco's bus program, Homeward Bound. Over the 12 years, San Francisco's program sent 10,570 people to other cities. These programs exist everywhere. Google busing and homeless and hundreds of local disagreements will pop up. 
How are homeless people with long criminal records getting free bus tickets out of Nashville? Well, before too long, homeless people could be catching a flight out of Hawaii for free. Let's get the latest developments on this high-flying idea. Salinas Mayor Joe Gunter telling us it was a Monterey police officer who gave one-way bus tickets to four homeless men. Mayor says he put them right back on the bus to Monterey. But the city of Sarasota says it's not a displacement program at all, but instead an attempt to reunite homeless residents with their families. But we're, we're going to stop there. Before we get too caught up in this massive game of human ping pong, it's important to understand that the finger pointing does little to help individuals. Let's get back to Andy. After leaving her uncle's house, she was homeless for a year. Because I've personally been through a lot with being in foster care and not having the support and stability in my life. So at that moment and at that point, I just, I didn't want to live anymore. And I needed help as far as like with my mental In the emergency room, Andy was referred to the TAY program in Long Beach. It stands for Transition Aged Youth, and that's where I am today. With me is Chase, another TAY member. Um, basically, like, they provide like therapy, family therapy, uh, and then you have like a personal service coordinator who helps you with like your goals and stuff. And every week there's an outing. You go out like with a group of people and you go on an outing. Tay is primarily focused on mental health. However, more and more they try to connect youth with housing. This is Janet, a family service coordinator. Um, but we try and develop partnerships. It's important to kind of actively be looking for options for housing for our Tay because this is not an easy job. Here's Andy explaining what goes into an application. A birth certificate, social security card, state ID, an award letter from social security, a court order when I was in foster care, my high school schedule, emailing my old case manager that I haven't spoke to for like five years, and, and then I had to get a notary of a case release of my case, and then I had to pay to get the file released, and then I had to make copies of like my birth certificate and state ID. It's just so tedious. <laughs> I leave, I, that's why I want to hire a lawyer to do all that <laughs> The process takes months, or sometimes years. Now imagine trying to do all of it without a place to sleep at night. And if you make one mistake or miss a deadline, you go right back to where you started. You gotta fill it out exactly right. If you get your name, like if you miss one of your middle names, you have to fill it out again. There was moments where I felt like, you know, I did something wrong and I had to go back and change it. And, you know, I was not- Often like, the not only thing homeless youth can qualify for are group sober living homes, where three or four sleep to a room. These were initially designed as short-term solutions to help people with addictions get back on their feet. But recently, they have emerged as a way into affordable housing for people without addiction. Chase pays $650 a month yeah, for his spot in a room. Yeah, there's no, there's really no place out there that's going to let me live somewhere for less than a thousand, you know. And the rent can seem hard. like a bargain, but it comes with some very unpleasant caveats. Came there, stayed the first night, I got bit up by bed bugs so bad, like my whole arm was just blistering. And they didn't, oh, you know, they didn't think it would notice on me because I have darker skin, but it, you can see it. Meaning trying the places to are dirty, and sharing a tight space with a lot of people makes it hard to get your life together. One of my roommates is in his 50s. Um, he's really nice, but then I have another roommate who's in his 30s, maybe early 40s, who plays Xbox on his TV uh, all day, all night. And 
Like, he has the brightness on, so there's no way for me to sleep, no way for my other roommate to sleep. Just the fact that I had to coexist with, like, four other people in a room was just, like, tra not traumatic, but it was very, like, discomforting because, like, I was the youngest one there, and, like, the whole environment was just very sad and depressing. There were times where people would steal people's food, and no one would clean up after themselves, and it was just a very frustrating... It's hard because I try my best having a disability to work and try to keep myself, keep make a living where other people, they sit on, you know, they sit on the couch all day when they could. Living with difficult roommates is tough, but just as much stress can come from the landlords or management. I had to do certain things that I just felt that was absurd. I'm not, you know, I'm, I was taking, I was actively doing something like productive during my day. And, just to come home and be like, we need a drug test or we need a urine analysis. And I'm just like, okay. And you know. And they are, the landlords are entitled to a search anytime they want. So they can go in your room, they can search. And I work as a chef, so I have kitchen knives, chef's knives. Well, they said, no, you can't have those in here. But I'm like, okay, if I can't have those, how am I supposed to work? How am I supposed to go to work without chef knives? And then tell my boss that, oh, because, you know, you're my landlord and I live in sober living, you know, I can't have chef knives. Both Andy and Chase are subject to a strict 10 p.m. curfew. And random room searches and drug tests can jeopardize their ability to work or go to school. While she was living in a sober living, Andy had to leave her classes early, or else the manager would literally lock her out and she would have to sleep on the street. If you're not, if you're not on the property by no later than 10 o'clock, then you're kind of like out there for the night, I guess. So. Did that ever happen to you? Yeah, it happened, most, it happened a lot of times where I was like five minutes late and they would not let me in. And you know, it's just like, I was very frustrated. Because and some nights, Chase also has to choose between his future and a place to sleep. When I start working for Los Angeles Haunted Hayride, I'm not gonna be able to come back before 10. You know, I'll be done with work at one o'clock in the morning. I even told my landlord, look, I will sleep on the bench outside of the backyard. I have no problem with that. So I can sleep out there, I can have a tent and a sleeping bag, pretty much I'll be on the street, you know. But I don't, I don't mind, because it's a job, I'm making money, I'm not going to listen to my landlord, I'm not going to listen to him say, oh, you got to be back by tent, you know, curfew. You don't run my life, I run my life. And that's the problem. So with all these problems, why can't Chase just move somewhere else? Well, it comes down to money. Because his autism makes it hard to keep a job, Chase needs his $850 disability check to stay out of homelessness. This check barely covers his rent, so Chase works two jobs to pay for other expenses. But here's the catch. Social Security docks his check 50 cents for every dollar he earns. So after taxes, a $10 an hour salary diminishes to $3.50 an hour. I would have a lot more money if I was able to spend it from my job and still get Social Security, but I can't. And I can't not have Social Security because if I don't have Social Security... There's actually someone from the government who audits Chase to make sure he doesn't try, say, spending $50 at Target before reporting his income. Yet, as I get to know Chase, I can see that more than money, he just wants freedom. He's 23. He wants to have fun every once in a while without peeing in a cup or blowing into a breathalyzer every single time he comes home. But I can't have fun. I can't do what I want to do. I can't go to a bar to do karaoke because I live in a sober living. It's, I've been doing karaoke since I was 21 years old. It's just I can't do it. And I want to live in a place where I can lock my own door, where I can have my privacy, where I can take a shower and sing in the shower and not have somebody yell, stop singing, stop singing. You know, so it's... 
Yeah, I was, I was in the shower, and I'm singing, you know, having a good time, trying to, you know, take a shower in, in peace and be happy, you know. And some person comes, comes up to the door, and he's like, Hey, stop singing, stop singing, we're watching TV out here. And I yell at And him, while like, Chase is still in his sober living, Andy got lucky. She now lives in Long Beach in her own apartment, part of a housing project for former foster care youth. It just felt like it was a dream. Like it, um, it just felt I, like I was, I'm still in denial to this day <laughs> because I don't, like I never ever thought like that I would have my own apartment. Like that first week I cried. I, it was just, I was filled with the emotion because like I over, I overcame a lot of adversity and like a lot of obstacles in my life. but. And did you notice a big difference once you got into your, your own place? Yes, I noticed a complete, like, <laughs> 360 change, like, like I don't, there's no one here, it's just me, like, I can speak from experience and I can continue to move forward. Having her own place, Andy like. now can direct focus on her own goals. Um, I want to at least finish high school. Um, hope, I keep saying hopefully, but I'm graduating in May. And from there, I want to be a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. Um, I want to work with older people and elderly who, um, who can't help themselves, whether it's eating or bathing or, you know, just going for a walk. You know, I just want to be able to just be there for those people. And, and Chase, he isn't giving up either. Um, in five years, I see myself performing on Broadway in New York. Um, and also opening my own restaurant. The reason because of that is because I've been involved with a lot of musical theater. I've been doing musical theater my whole life. I don't care what other people say about, oh, you're not talented, you can't sing, you can't do this. Well, guess what, buddy? I know me, I know my singing. That's why I've had multiple lead roles, because I'm a good singer. If I was a bad singer, I'd be ensemble. When I was in, I know I'm taking a while, <laughs> but my last comment here is, when I was in Shrek the Musical, I played Shrek, and the guy that was playing uh, the big bad wolf came up to me one night after we were done. He said, dude, I'm such a better singer than you. I can, you, you shouldn't be Shrek. And I'm like, so that's why the director cast me as Shrek and you as a fairy tale creature that has, is basically ensemble <laughs> and you're the big bad wolf. Well, guess what? He, huff, he huffed and he puffed, he huffed and he puffed and he couldn't blow, he couldn't blow the brick house down, so. <laughs> That's me. I'm the brick house and the big bad wolf. These young adults have faced difficult circumstances I couldn't dream of, yet they're determined to get ahead. And the common denominator for success, what's going to allow Andy to help the elderly and Chase to start a small business, is housing. And there isn't a lot to go around in L.A. Next week, we look at neighbors in L.A. who are going above and beyond to combat youth homelessness. We'll also dive into Skid Row, where we'll meet young adults trying to take their situations into their own hands. They are some great stories, and I hope you'll stick with us. <laughs>